Mother Leeds was a woman who was willing to curse her own children. She even said if she were to have a 13th child, that it would surely be the devil. Welcome to the I Want to Believe podcast. This is the first bonus episode of season five and the first episode recorded in 2022. I'm Nomar Slavik. We're doing things a little bit different with this episode. We actually covered the Jersey Devil back in season two, episode five. But as with a lot of our earlier seasons, we were novices at podcasting and our audio quality was lower. Much like our updated and remixed Dover Demon episode. And time is running out for me. I wish that he would hurry down from Dover. I'm giving the Jersey Devil the remix treatment. This will include audio samples from various television shows and YouTube channels. Now, before we get into all of that, I wanted to give a quick reminder that all of our I Want to Believe social media and email are in the show notes. My brand new book, We Only Come Out at Night is available for purchase. This book is a collection of short horror stories and can be found online at slubbickstore.company.site. Or you can find it at the Greenhand Bookshop in Portland, Maine. Just check the show notes for those links and more. The story of the Jersey Devil goes back almost three centuries. That's a long time. And since then, it has become a muddled heap of myth, legend, true stories with believers and skeptics. On this episode, we're going to dive in from the beginning. Let's get into the possible origins of the Jersey Devil. Sightings of a bizarre flying monster have been terrifying the residents of New Jersey for centuries. My first reaction was, oh my God, it was very scary. I felt like I am prey. The beast is thought to live deep in this desolate forest. No one was going out after dark. The whole area was just in a state of emergency. The creature seems to have no fear of man. The creature gave out a blood-curdling scream and escaped out the chimney. The legend goes that in the Pine Barren forests of New Jersey, a woman who went by the moniker Mother Leeds had given birth to 12 children. In 1735, she found that she was pregnant with her 13th. The Leeds family was poor, her husband a drunk, and when they found that she was pregnant again, she cursed the child and said, let this one be a devil. 
She went into labor a few months after that proclamation on a reportedly dark and stormy night, and all had forgotten about the mother's curse. Mark Skirman and Mark Morin, authors of Weird New Jersey, wrote, quote, Her children and husband huddled together in one room of their Leeds Point home, while local midwives gathered to deliver the baby in another. By all accounts, the birth went routinely, and the 13th Leeds child was a seemingly normal baby boy. Within minutes, however, Mother Leeds' unholy wish of months before began to come to fruition. The baby started to change and metamorphosed right before her very eyes. Within moments, it was transformed from a beautiful newborn baby into a hideous creature unlike anything the world had ever seen. The wailing infant began growing at an incredible rate. It sprouted horns from the top of its head, and talon-like claws tore through the tips of its fingers. Leathery bat-like wings unfurled from its back, and hair and feathers sprouted all over the child's body. Its eyes began glowing bright red as they grew larger in the monster's gnarled and snarling face. The creature savagely attacked its own mother, killing her, then turned its attention to the rest of the horrified onlookers. It flew at them, clawing and biting, voicing unearthly shrieks the entire time. It tore the midwives limb from limb, maiming some and killing others. End quote. And that, many say, is the earliest story of the Jersey Devil. The story you just heard is the typical legend, but when you do a little bit of research, there's a whole lot more that comes to the surface. The real story actually includes some political intrigue, Quaker infighting, almanacs, a royal governor, and a man you may have heard of named Benjamin Franklin. Brian Regal of the Skeptical Inquirer wrote a fantastic article on the Jersey Devil, and I will be quoting it here from time to time. New Jersey officially became a thing in the 1620s. Among the oldest states in the nation, it is rich in history and legend. It's also America's most densely populated state, home to nearly 9 million people. But nestled within its borders lies an isolated region known as the Pine Barrens, over one million acres of forbidding forest. Settlers arrived from England, and many of them were members of the Society of Friends, which people now call Quakers. They were, quote, delighted to discover large tracts of land all but empty of people nestled between Manhattan and Philadelphia, end quote. The Pine Barrens are triangulated by Philadelphia, 50 miles to the northwest, and New York City, 110 miles to the northeast. The first governor of New Jersey was a man named Lord Cornbury, and was considered, quote, one of the most vilified and hated governors of colonial America, end quote. But there was a connection to the Jersey Devil story. Regal wrote, quote, when Lord Cornbury received his orders to take charge of New Jersey in 1702, the document included a list of his counselors, one of whom was Daniel Leeds, end quote. Born in England, Daniel Leeds arrived in Burlington in 1677. 
He was a devout Quaker. In 1682, Daniel Leeds had joined the local assembly. He also held the title of Surveyor General. This here is where the Leeds name first enters into the legend. Daniel Leeds claimed that he had religious visions as a child. The following is where the Leeds legend of having numerous children comes into play. Regal continued, quote, His first wife died in England, so he married a second time in 1681. This wife, Anne Stacy, gave birth to a daughter, though neither survived the birth. He then married Dorothy Young, who also died, though not before producing eight children by 1699. He married one final time to Jane Abbott Smout, end quote. Counting the daughter who passed at birth were at a total of nine children. Not 13 as told in the legend, but regardless, that's a lot of kids. Now, during his time with Dorothy Young, he acquired quite a bit of property near the Atlantic coast. He handed this property down to his sons as a family seat, and it came to be known as Leeds Point. This is the location associated most with the Jersey Devil legend. So that's a little bit of history there, and we'll be getting to the actual Jersey Devil, but before that, we do need to discuss the Quaker and Almanac Wars. You see, a man named Daniel Leeds began publishing an almanac called the Leeds Almanac back in 1677, and that didn't sit well with the Quakers. Regal wrote, quote, several members of the Quaker meeting complained that Leeds had used inappropriate language and astrological symbols and names that were a little too pagan. The notion of predicting the movements of the heavens did not sit well with Quaker theology, end quote. Leeds was remorseful of this and publicly apologized and tried to explain his intent. However, the Quakers were not happy and gathered up all copies of the almanac and destroyed them. This upset Leeds, and soon after, he denounced his affiliation with the Quakers and continued to work on his almanac. This established Mr. Leeds' reputation as a creepy occult figure in the community, whether or not it was true. Along with the almanac, Leeds put out a book called The Temple of Wisdom. Regal wrote, quote, Leeds paraphrased and outright copied large sections of other authors to cobble together a personal cosmology. He included sections on angels, natural magic, astrology, and the behavior of devils. The source he drew upon most was the work of the German mystic Jakob Burma the master shoemaker of Görlitz. He was considered heretical, but his works focused upon the nature of sin and redemption, end quote. Footnote Jakob Böhme, 1575-1624, the German mystic, was influenced by the works of Paracelsus and other alchemists. He had a mystical experience in 1600. He was concerned in particular with the nature of evil and dualism. His work strongly influenced the development of idealism, romanticism, and Quaker philosophy. Leeds enjoyed the work and saw him as a, quote, kindred spirit. Soon after, Leeds proclaimed himself a Christian and stated, quote, everyone that will speak or teach of divine mysteries have the spirit of God, end quote. Despite Leeds' opinion of himself, most people at that time saw him as an occultist and as someone to avoid. 
but his works did have a large fan base. Regal wrote, quote, Leeds was heavily invested in local politics, leaning toward royal authority. In one instance, Leeds advised Lord Cornbury to not swear in several members appointed to the assembly by local election. The rest of the assembly complained to Cornbury about these groundless accusations, but to no avail. The Quaker saw Governor Cornbury as a local tyrant representing the larger empire who sought to keep them under control and who opposed their religion. When Daniel Leeds sided with Cornbury, the Quakers saw him as a turncoat. End quote. Leeds also backed other anti-Quakers and began preaching that the Quakers had strayed from Christianity. Regal continued, quote, After a series of Leeds anti-Quaker pamphlets, George Fox, the founder of Quakerism, responded to Leeds' accusations by saying that Quakerism stood unjustly accused of any theological wrongdoing, end quote. Also at this time, Leeds was accused of being evil, and a pamphlet was put out that accused Leeds of working for the devil. Okay, so it sounds like we're working towards a Leeds finally coming into contact with the devil. But there's a bit more to go. Hang in there. Regal continued, quote, Daniel Leeds continued to publish his almanac and quarrel with the Quakers until 1716 when he retired and turned the business over to his son, Titan Leeds. In 1728, Titan redesigned the masthead to include the Leeds family crest. It contained three figures on a shield. They were dragon-like with a fearsome face, clawed feet, and bat-like wings. End quote. That type of figure is known as a wyvern. Traditionally, a wyvern is a large bipedal creature with reptilian body, draconic head, two wings on its side, and a barbed tail with an arrow tip end. Not to be confused with a dragon who is a quadruped, meaning having four legs. A wyvern has wings instead of the front legs that dragons typically possess. And in my opinion, that sounds a lot like the descriptions of the Jersey Devil. Are we getting closer to the legend here? Yes, 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 yes. Titan continued publishing the almanacs and eventually found himself in the middle of, quote, the most notorious almanac feuds of them all. They had a new competitor, a plucky up-and-coming prankster from Philadelphia named Ben Franklin. He started his own rival book in 1732 called Poor Richard's Almanac. As competitors in a lucrative market, the upstart Franklin decided to go after his established rival to boost sales. So, in just his second edition of Poor Richard's Almanac, Franklin made a frank prediction. Titan Leeds would die on October 17th of that year. Franklin approached this feud in a humorous vein while Leeds took it seriously. He retaliated in the Leeds Almanac by saying that Franklin has manifest himself a fool and a liar. Franklin replied with mock outrage and hurt, saying, Titan would never say something so hurtful. Therefore, it mustn't be Titan Leeds, but a creature from the spirit world possessing him. From there, Franklin continually called Titan the ghost of Titan Leeds, and even committed to the joke after poor Mr. Leeds passed away still implying that his ghost was out there. 
Even after Titan Leeds finally died in 1738, Franklin responded to his own creation that Honest Titan, deceased, was raised from the dead and made to abuse his old friend Franklin. End quote. Okay, let's dwell on that last part for a second. While this was largely a joke to Franklin, what he did was publicly cast his deceased rival Almanac publisher as a ghost, brought back from the great beyond to haunt his enemies. Did Franklin inadvertently create a Leeds lore? It is also interesting to note that the traditionally believed period of the Jersey Devil coincides with the death of Titan Leeds, so maybe this is where the legend was actually born. So let's break it down. We've got the Pine Barrens, home of the Leeds. Daniel denounced his religion and was then seen as working for the devil. Daniel had numerous wives, all who died and had several children, both mirroring the legend, mother dead and numerous children, and Daniel's son, Titan, stood accused by Benjamin Franklin of being a ghost resurrected from the grave. Their family crest had a wyvern on it, which kind of looks like the Jersey Devil. The Leeds led a life seen by others as against the grain and could be considered political and religious monsters. So could the Leeds Devil in fact be the true origin story of the Jersey Devil? Uh, don't answer that just yet, because Regal wrote, quote, References to the Jersey Devil do not appear in newspapers or other printed material until the 20th century. The first major flap came in 1909. It is from these sightings that the popular image of the creature, the bat-like wings, horse-head claws, and a general air of a dragon, became standardized." End quote. Despite Regal's claims, there was definitely Jersey Devil encounters written about before 1909. In fact, there was a supposed exorcism that was completed on the night of the birth of the Jersey Devil. And then later on, there was actually some government intervention. The Jersey Devil terrorized surrounding homes and snatched up young children. The local legend impacted the region so intensely, a religious leader exorcised the devil for 100 years. But the exorcism apparently did not work. The Jersey Devil returned. According to documents from the Killian Foundation, the United States government sent officials to the Pine Barrens to search for the Jersey Devil. It was even referred to as the Jersey Devil Expedition of 1812. Among the more interesting details about the mission was the description of a female Jersey Devil that crashed through the roof where the expedition team was staying. It was shot and killed but a claw and tongue from the beast were collected. And according to the documents, the entire adventure was ordered by President James Monroe. Unfortunately, corroborative information has not been located to verify these claims. So I'll ask again, do you think it's possible for the Leeds to be the true origins of the Jersey Devil? Which, unfortunately for us paranormal enthusiasts and researchers and writers, can make this legend just humble human beginnings. For me, 
all the elements that we've discussed throughout this episode do lean toward the creation of the Jersey Devil being based on the odd yet all too real Leeds family of the Pine Barrens. Regardless, there have been numerous eyewitness accounts of encounters with a strange entity throughout the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. The legend is still alive. People are still seeking out this devil, and even more people continue to have encounters. So, if you'll indulge me in this, it is the epitome of wanting to believe. Regal closed by writing, quote, in the 21st century, as we searched the woods off the Jersey Turnpike and the Garden State Parkway for a bat-winged beast, the ghosts of Daniel Leeds and his family may just be watching and smiling at the absurdity of it all." End quote. While I suppose that's probable, it may be just as possible that a devil with wings is hiding somewhere out there amongst the trees. I did want to leave you with one recent encounter from 2004. There's actually some photographic evidence, and I'll put those pictures on our Instagram at 207believe. Check it out. And these terrifying encounters continue to this day. It just happened so quickly. It was horrible. Lori Winkleman lives with her husband, Glenn, and their three children near the Wharton State Park in the Pine Barrens. She describes a frightening nocturnal sighting that still haunts them. There is always this discernible eeriness out here. There's just something in the air. Well, that night had been a big storm, the first significant one. Lori and her children were outside enjoying a recent snowfall and were headed inside for supper. I realized that I had left Christmas lights on because it's kind of dark and creepy out here at night. Lori had her 11-year-old son, Glenn Jr., accompany her outside to turn off the light. I was standing at a utility pole that just had a big electric outlet, and I bent over and was trying to pull this plug out. Simultaneously, I looked at my son who was standing right in front of me and his face was just terrified and he was like making garbled noises, pointing up. Lori saw a giant black creature perched high in the tree above their heads. Their terror turned to panic when the beast swooped down. And just knew I had to get my son in the house. He was absolutely frozen. He just couldn't even move. I felt like prey and I just charged forward. There was just this black like sensation of like a whoosh overhead of us, on top of us. And in a split second, I heard it on the roof. And all of a sudden I knew this thing was exactly in the direction that we were running. And the second that we got to the doorstep, you could hear it coming down the roof, making these really click-clack, weird, metallic-y, bony noises. And we just got in the door, slammed the door, and then just started screaming and freaking out in the kitchen. The Winkleman family spent a sleepless night and awoke in the morning to discover that their attacker left a clue. The uh, next morning, I was awoken then with my husband saying, oh my gosh, you won't believe this, but I went out and there are footprints, tracks, exactly on the roof where you said. Um, he took pictures of the tracks and they were still pristine. It was early in the morning on that side of the snow. It was like so great, they were perfectly preserved. The snow was still deep. 
Lori Winkleman's husband, Glenn Sr., immediately showed the photograph to a friend and expert hunter to see if he could identify what the animal was. Brought it in, showed it to him, not a clue. I have no idea what it was. With their anxiety rising, the Winkelmans brought the photos to a local office of the New Jersey Division of Parks and Recreation. But regional wildlife experts could not identify the tracks. They were kind of frightened for us because the, the footprints were nine inches by five inches and four feet apart and two-legged. So he didn't know what it could be at all. I reluctantly called the police. They did a perimeter search. He saw the tracks on the roof. He said he would estimate the size to be about, like I believe it was two to 400 pounds of whatever it was. Um, he said about the size of a large bear. Uh, he then asked me if I had guns, and where I'm from, people don't have guns in the house. And I said no, and he just said, maybe you should get some. What do you believe? Thanks so much for joining me on this bonus episode of the I Want to Believe podcast. Season 5 is now out and streaming. We've got 10 all-new episodes covering everything from UFO landings to black-eyed kids, cults, and more. If you can, check out my books and other projects at slavicstore.company.site. And if you want, give us a follow on Instagram at 207believe. Lastly, there's more bonus episodes on the way. Thank you for your support, and thanks so much for listening. I'm No More Slavic. Stop.